it's another episode of the Reason to Behold podcast with Tolly Talks and Honored Reasons. You are welcome. Very welcome, even if we didn't say it first. <laughs> we still said it, it's all good. Right, so we're back. We're continuing our series on After the Auto Call. For those that may not have been following, After the Auto Call is a book that I wrote over a few years, on and off. Um, it's available on Amazon if you are interested. Just search After the Auto Call by Arnold Reasons, and we are going through a few different things, chapters, one chapter at a time. Feel free to go back and listen if you've missed any. So where are we up to today, Tolu? Chapter two, A Bridge for the Chasm. Do you want to say the first paragraph? Yeah, yeah. So by this po- point in the book and the supporting e-course, we know that there's a huge gap between the designer's intent and our present experience here on Earth. We know that we've departed from our God nature and now live in a dysfunctional and broken world that doesn't reflect God's design. Making sense of this and where it leads to through Christian lenses, there are a few key things we need to flesh out, namely the law of Moses and its implications, and the gospel and its implications. The law of Moses. For many of us, when we're talking about the law in the context of Christianity, we're often referring to the Ten Commandments given to Moses on Mount Sinai. You shall not have you shall have no other gods, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, you shall not steal, etc. See Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 to 17. Whilst this is appropriate in some contexts, it sometimes misses the wider meaning of what the scriptures are showing us when referring to the law. To those with an understanding of Hebraic history and context, references to the law often included the Ten Commandments, but referred to much more. It was broadly read and understood to be a reference to, or something with strong emphasis on, the books containing the law. So that would be the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. See Strong's Concordance G3551. Nomos. We'll come back to why this matters shortly, but first, some important verses about the law. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Romans 3, 19 to 20. If we read the law in these verses to mean only the Ten Commandments, then we'll already have one of our major incorrect assumptions corrected. The assumption that by doing these good things, i.e. keeping the commandments, will be justified by God and accepted into heaven. Verses like these expose the fact that commandments were never meant to be the entry criteria for eternal life. Instead, they're a tool that God uses to show us the truth about our departure from his ways, our departure from our God nature. A tool to expose the fact that we've all come short of his original design and gone after our own way instead of his. But if we read the the law in these verses to include the Ten Commandments, but also to be a wider reference to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, we get a slightly richer understanding that could easily be missed. You see, it's true that the commandments expose our own failings and need for transformation and saving by God. But it's also true that by reading the first five books of the Bible, we get much more than just the list of the Ten Commandments. We get to see the lives of other human beings at different points in time, from various backgrounds and economic statuses. 
not for entertainment purposes or to puff us up with historical knowledge, but instead, maybe, just maybe, is to give us a richer and further reaching narrative of the story between God and us, one that shows our constant need for him, our constant need for his saving, his co- our constant need for his saving and our constant need to self-assess and turn back to our original God nature, reflecting his ways and likeness. The law as Ten Commandments gives me a list of do's and don'ts. The law as the first five books of the Bible gives me a wider narrative about the story of God and me. The two different perspectives don't contradict one another. They're just two ways of looking at the same thing. Regardless of which of the two perspectives you take, there is one key underlying principle. We don't earn God's approval by meeting the do's and don'ts or by emulating any of the stories of those found in the first five books of the Bible. Instead, the Ten Commandments and the wider narrative in the first five books are supposed to expose the fact that we've fallen short of living according to God's original design. This is a working definition of sin. Okay. Why do you think people see the law as just the Ten Commandments? Not as in, do you have any evidence that people do? But like, no, 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 why yeah, do you yeah. think people do, you know? I, I don't know. I feel like it's... I wonder if it's to do with just how we think as human beings. Like, because mm. whether it's to do with the faith and the origins of our creation, our relationship with the creator himself, or even just day-to-day life, it's almost like we're always looking for the lines and the parameters, mm. right? Because, and I guess the world that we live in is built on that. Like, you go to school, there's a marking criteria. Mm. If you get between this amount of uh, marks and that amount of marks, you get a grade C. Mm. You get a grade B for more. You get a grade A for even more and an A star and so on and so forth. They don't use that system anymore from the last that I checked. But, you know, (laughs) I'm not used to the new system. I'm from the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... And then you think about, like, there's there's just so many parameters that are, like, definitive of the things that are and the things that are not. So I think when it comes to how we relate to, to God, I guess we're, we're constantly... Yeah, we're constantly looking for the lines and the parameters. Do you think part of that is what came with the knowledge of good and evil? How do you mean? Because, you know, before, there Mm. were no... There were lines in terms of you can't (laughs) eat of this tree, right? Yeah, yeah. But the whole you can't eat from this tree was so that we didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. We didn't know what was good, what was bad. We just knew Mm. good. And now that we know that there's good and bad and we're always trying to balance it, Mm. you know, because that's the the logical way. If you do good, you know, every every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So like if you do good, you should do, you know, if you do bad, you should do good. So do you think that's where some of the balancing comes from? Because we know that we can do bad and we can do good. And now we're trying to balance that and we're trying to, we know that it's wrong. We know that we shouldn't be doing bad things. We know that we're separate from God. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's where some of that comes from? And logically, you need to balance it out. There needs to be an atonement for sin. 
mm-hmm. but supernaturally because what what god would what god did with jesus is is not you know it's not logical it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense that what i can be forgiven because someone else did it took it for me you know and that's where like you're separated because it's not by works because you can't ever balance out the bad you do with good it's impossible mm. and i think it's also the moral compass that he's given to every single one of us mm. because i think like it is it is it is deep down coded into our mm. minds and systems to know at least to some degree that there is good bad right and wrong in general mm. And so knowing that, I think, no, and I think maybe going back to answer your question, maybe knowing that and then also not necessarily having as clear of an understanding on who he is and how he is Mm. as we could. It's almost like we're trying to make sense of the, the roadmap back to him. Hmm. Um, hence why we would look at the law through the eyes of just the do's and the don'ts because I think it's only when you start to really like take a step back and think a bit about the wider picture of the gospel message Mm. what has his dynamic been with us from the beginning of time been like and especially in the context of the gospel message that you start to realise that it is it, the, the law can't anyway you don't, whether you believe it or not and accept it or not um, the law can be more than just limited to the do's and the don'ts um, and I think again historical context matters as well because we obviously tend to look at the scriptures through what we know and what we understand as people who many of us didn't come from Hebraic um teachings and things like that and jewish foundations and so we sometimes miss out on the context of how when these scriptures were written when moses was referring to them when every when different people throughout time were referring to the law what were they actually talking about Mm. um and then again now thinking about it now this is my real answer to the question in our modern context when we do think about law we think about okay the statue of this that and the other that's that's what we know law to be and so we relate our modern context to him and maybe in doing so miss the opportunity to see a bit more of a richer understanding of what was being communicated when the scriptures were being written and i think when you look at the whole five books there's so much in them about you know ways to live like deuteronomy is full of of principles of how you should live and it's almost like the Ten Commandments is the high-level view. Everything else that you see in the law kind of fits into any of those ten things, if that makes sense. You know, like you see examples of where people have stolen things, what that looks like, what happens. In Deuteronomy, you see some of the issues with doing some of the things that you're told not to do. You know, in terms of love, love the Lord your God, you see what God says when he's like, and if you will love the Lord your God, this is what will happen. If you don't, this is what will happen. So it actually gives you a lot more context to what's in the Ten Commandments than if you just focused on them by themselves as do's and don'ts. Because sometimes we forget that like rules and laws are actually in place to protect us. Yeah. As humans, like 
we need those things in place. You know, it's not it's not even a method of salvation. Like someone could be totally unsaved, yeah. live by the Ten Commandments and the law, and live a pretty decent life. Like they yeah. wouldn't have a good afterlife. But they're, they're also <laughs> rules for life. You know, they're not they're not yeah. rules for salvation. They're rules for life. Mm. And I think this is it: is that there's understanding textbook information, mm. and then there's seeing the practical application just through real life. Mm. And I think that's what the wider context of those first five books give us: mm. is we do get the the, the letter of the law, mm. but then we get to see how people that were human beings just like us, flesh and blood, just like us, mm. maybe at a different time in history with different kind of historical context, but still with that same human nature, mm. we get to see like when a man is under pressure and makes decisions on whether he's going to tell the truth or tell a lie. Mm. We get to see, um, and that's even before the Ten Commandments as well, by the way. Like, because, and this is the thing is yeah, that true. it's there is so much. Because even looking as far back as the garden again, mm. like the Ten Commandments mm. were not literally written mm. to the letter, but mm. there was a command mm-hmm. eat mm-hmm. freely, mm-hmm. don't eat from this tree. Mm. And so, I think it's almost like through those five books, you continuously see it unfolding and going from bad to worse to mm. being mm. expressed in different ways the exact same problem. Mm. And that's why whether it was 10 commandments or 5,000 commandments or whatever, whatever the number we were to like kind of pull it down to, Mm. it's the same problem, right? Which we still have to this very present day. And I guess that's the benefit that we get in seeing the five books is that we get to see it lived out in so many different forms. And I guess, I guess this is where Abba is literally like one of the most effective authors because you can see repetition mm. through so many different ways in what we actually get to read about to bring the same message back home that we need him and we need the gospel and we need redemption. Mm. Um, if we carry on, the gospel, the good news. God's mm-hmm. desire has and always will be that we'd all turn from our rebellion against his ways and be saved from the eternal judgment we deserve. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, we learn that God doesn't want anybody to perish, but instead wants us all to come to a place of repentance, to come to a place where we where we quit thinking we're fine and following our own ways of doing things. Instead, choosing to come back to our Creator and His ways in all areas of our lives. So He sent His Son Jesus Christ into the world to be a living example of how we ought to live. Then He took full ownership of the sins of His creation, by, by dying the death that we deserved so that we could be pardoned and given the hope of eternal life. Don't rush past these facts. Just think on it for a moment. He lived a life that perfectly reflected God's design for us. He never disobeyed or rebelled against the way of the kingdom, not once. This made him the only person to have walked the earth who actually deserved a ticket into eternal life. But rather than just keep it to himself, he swapped his ticket for your punishment. He leveraged his right to eternal life in order to give you the chance to enjoy eternal life with him too. Now that is good news. There are three key things that I've realized stem from the cross and this message of good news. 
grace, mercy, and power. Let's look at the, these three things in turn. And I think the rest of the chapter goes into a really nice description of grace, mercy, and power. Because even when you think about grace and mercy, at first they kind of sound like very similar or the same mm. thing. But there's actually quite a big difference between the two. Mm. Um, and I think the rest of the chapter does a really nice description of the interactions, the interplay, because they all interact and interplay with each other. Yeah. You know, they all lead to even power, you know, because through the grace and mercy of God, we have the power to be redeemed from sin. We have the power to live lives that are sin free. Yeah. But it's only in understanding those things that we can really understand the power. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even in saying that as well, the power for me is probably one of the elements that we can so easily overlook mm. because when you come to receive and accept this gospel it's very easy to well it's not very easy but you, you're you're usually acknowledging right i've gone after my own way he died and took the punishment i deserved mm. wow amazing grace how sweet the sound mm. right mm. how merciful he has been to me and it's almost like you can get stuck in this perspective of seeing yourself as wretched and almost like the person that was just given a pardon, which by no means is a small thing because it's true. We were given a pardon, mm. but he gave us more than a pardon and he gave us power. Mm. And I think that power is such a, yeah, it's such an important thing because it's going to, whether we, what we do or don't realize about the power he's given us will affect how we live after we say yes to following him it will affect whether we come in and pretty much live a life that is almost like in waiting for the heaven to come so to speak yeah. maybe go in a whole load of cycles of feeling like we keep on stumbling in the same ways and not necessarily making progress or mm. whether we get to experience a dynamic life that day by day looks more and more like his original design right and i think i think it comes down to the power that we've been given like you said because mm. we weren't just redeemed we were also adopted come on and that's where the power comes in because we've been given the name we've been mm. adopted into the family mm. it's like you've become a royal person and you can go out in the power of the king yeah and that's yeah. where if you don't really understand what has happened post salvation it's not just i was saved it's yeah. not just okay you know the king pardoned me it's the king pardoned me mm. and then brought me into his household mm, mm. you know he didn't just pardon me and say okay go yeah it's like he pardoned me made me part of the family and gave yeah. me the power of the name the power yeah. of the family name hmm. all the resources that come with the family name mm. and that that for me is the real understanding of the power is that we are part of that we've been adopted yeah. it's not just okay you're free to live it's mm. like no 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 you're free to live but come and live in my kingdom it's different that's right and come and live like me like because yeah. this is the thing is that sometimes when we think about adoption depending on like depending on what we've seen when it comes to adoption or maybe what our assumptions are when it comes to adoption you can almost make the wrong assumption that adoption mm. into his kingdom is almost like you are the lesser child if you get what i'm yes. saying yes, but yes, his yes. adoption is like it is the grafting in and like the meshing to the point where we have his blood running through us mm. and so mm. we are literally mm. 
his sons. We are literally his children. Mm. Um, and I think that's a great place to park it. <laughs> Amen to that. Because, yeah, man, that power, I think that power, if there's one thing that I would want someone to take away from the book, mm. if I had to choose one thing, it would be to know that it's more than just like that light misperception of adoption that we have. The power is a big thing. Do you know what is so true? Because it's like, after I've been saved, what's mm. next? So that's what After the Autocall is about. That's what's up, bro. Is after I've been saved, what next? And what yeah. next is your royalty. Yeah. Like, yeah. and when you're royalty, like you, you have to learn the ways of the kingdom as you grow up. Mm. You know, mm. as you mature, mm. you understand more and more and more. Okay, this is who I am. This is what comes with the kingdom. And that's mm. really what the book is about. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.